Well, I would say good morning to everyone, and it's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to be with you today. And there's been a scripture that's been on my heart for the last few weeks, and I've been praying about it, and a lot of, kind of introspection in my life. And ironically, I was talking to one of our members yesterday, and we were discussing everything, and you know, she said to me, you know, I hope I'm doing enough for the branch. I hope I'm doing enough for God. And ironically, that's where I've been thinking, talking with some of my brothers and sisters and Brother Pete recently, are we doing enough spiritually for the Lord? Are we doing enough spiritually for his church? And I've been thinking about you know, my role, you know, not only in the branch, but more specifically, my role as a servant of Jesus Christ. And I really went down that path to try to understand, well, what is it that God wants from me today? And I want you to be able to answer that question for yourself today, that what exactly is it that God wants for you in your life? There we go. I got my clicker working. So, on so many fronts, you know, we get distracted, and we have work, we have families, we have, you know, our personal likes, our hobbies, we have church, and all these different responsibilities, and then on top of that, you throw, you have all of these anxieties, and now we're socially distanced, we're away from our friends, we're away from our families, so day in and day out, we're kind of bombarded, and it almost seems like our stress is endless at this point. And through all of that, we're supposed to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and oftentimes it gets thrown by the wayside. So my question for myself recently, and my question for you today, is what exactly does God want from us? And I want to start with the verse, um, Hosea uh, the sixth chapter, the sixth verse, and I'll have Brother Micah pull that up for you. And we're going to read it in the King James Version. Initially, we're going to look at one of those words. And what it says, got to switch my views. It says, For I desired mercy, and this is God talking to Israel, and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And it's interesting, I dug into that word a little more. And, it's, and this is God speaking to us as well. And when you look at that word mercy, it, it translates in some versions as just strictly love. And even further, it says loving kindness. So here is God the Father telling us that I desire love. I desire loving kindness from you and me. And not just sacrifice. He doesn't want burnt offerings. He wants knowledge of him. You see where my mind is going at this point as well. In my mind, God desires these two things, that we love him and that we know him. Yeah, I know a lot of people. I have relationships with many people. Do I truly know many of them? My answer is no today. I don't know what their fears are. 
Many of them, I don't know what their strengths are. I don't know what makes them run and get up in the morning. I don't know where they're at spiritually, so to speak. My close friends, yes. You know, Brother Pete, who is here today, we've, we've spoken recently about some of our concerns and the things that we struggle with currently. You know, so that's one of my close friends, and I say, Brother Pete and I know each other at a different level than I, quote-unquote, know other people. So what kind of knowledge does God want from us? What kind of love does he want from us today? And it's interesting because in our minds, we have it backwards. We think that our sacrifice and our sacrifices is the way that we show love for Jesus Christ. For example, I gave up my Sunday morning today for God. Therefore, I showed him that I love him. Or, you know, I didn't watch that fourth or fifth episode of my favorite TV show so I can spend some time in Scripture this week. So I sacrificed some of what I really like for God. You see how we look at it differently, and we go back to that verse in Hosea, and God says, I don't desire these sacrifices. I want your love. I want you to have knowledge of me. I don't want all these necessarily boxes that you're going to check in your life to say that you are serving me. But us as people, we look at it the wrong way. We feel that if we do this, then we have proved to God that we love him. And he proves to us in the word of God that that's the wrong way to look at it. And that is my message to you today. What God has revealed to me in my life, what he reveals to us in the scripture, that if we love him, if we truly know who Jesus Christ is, those works will flow out of us. The sacrifice will flow out of us. Not the fact that we're doing it to serve him, but we do it because we love him. And there is no other way to go about it. So do we truly know God today? And at what level do we know him? And we're going to be in John, the sixth chapter today. And it's an incredible chapter. And there are so many things within this one chapter that happens, we can't go through all of it today. So I'm going to give you the highlights. Because we're not going to talk about each of them individually. We learned initially... And imagine Christ in his day, healing the sick, you know, curing cancer, healing lepers. People watching that are amazed and converted like that. So it tells us right off the bat, from his many miracles early on in John, he has many disciples. Imagine going to a rock concert and these throngs of people just following Jesus because they saw miracles. Jesus feeds 5,000 at the very beginning of this chapter. And, you know, through this beautiful story, we get some insights into the different apostles. You see Andrew, um, you see at the end of the chapter, Simon Peter, kind of their interactions. You get some insight into who these people were, their characteristics. You know, you, know, you get some you know, money counting where, oh, well, 
If you needed that much bread, you need this much amount of money. So you get some ideas that some guys were numbers guys within the apostles themselves, and you get some really fun insights, at least for me, into who his true disciples were of the 12. And then where we're going with this scripture, it goes a little further. So, you know, this multitude was fed, and everyone starts to press Jesus Christ, so he retreats into the mountain next to the Sea of Galilee. And as he retreats, it says the twelve get into a boat and they cross the Sea of Galilee. And I looked it up, and the Sea of Galilee is roughly 13 miles by 7 miles to get to the other side. So it's a decent-sized little sea that we're dealing with. And it goes on as you read through the chapter that, you know, a storm comes and the waters get very rough, and here comes Christ. You imagine them halfway out into the sea, walking on water, and he calms it. And they, take, they go together to the other side, and that's where we're going to pick up. So here it is. The next morning, the other disciples, all of these people wake up. The boat's gone. Jesus, who was in the mountain, is gone. And there are no other boats that have left the scene. So where did he go? How did he get there? So what do they do? They load up on boats and they go find him. And that's where we are now. John 6, 25. And it says, And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? How'd you do it? So here's, you know, imagine how many miracles they witnessed. He fed 5,000. You know, they may not have seen him walk on water, but it's a miracle that he's on the other side of the sea the next morning. And they, they can't process this. And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. You know, so we see kind of selfishly what we do sometimes is we seek God sometimes for the wrong reasons. We have questions in our lives. We maybe are without a job or we need a healing and we're looking for that one thing to be filled. And probably many of these people were poor, and for the first time they had a full meal, and they were filled, and they were looking for more at this point in their lives. So they were searching out for God for that reason, and he calls them out for it. And then he gets into the nitty-gritty. And then he said unto them, or they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? That sound familiar for what we talked about in Hosea? What sacrifices can we do? What can I give up? What can I do in my life that would be acceptable to you, Christ? You know, before I met the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what I thought it was about. That I thought being a Christian was being a good person. That if I gave up swearing, I didn't go to places I wasn't supposed to, I didn't smoke, I didn't curse, if I did those things, I would be acceptable unto God. And by checking those boxes, 
that would show my love for him, and he would love me back. But in actuality, God loves us unconditionally, no matter what we're doing. But he asked one thing in my life, that I would sacrifice my life for him. That I wouldn't make it about checking a box, that I would just put my whole life before him and i say, Lord, whatever you want for me, I will do. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Whatever you want me to say, I will say. Whatever job you want me to have, I'll take it. This was before I was married. Whatever wife you want for me, I will listen to you. That's what he is asking for us. And you see what you know, these people were asking him. Is they said, Lord, well, what is it that we can do? Plural. What works can we do? And God answers, this is the work of God. In the 29th verse, believe on him whom he hath sent. We have one thing to do. And everything else flows from this. That we have to believe in him. We have to believe in Jesus Christ. And sometimes it sounds simple. We say, well, I believe in God. I come to church. I pray and I read the word. But he's asking more of that from us. He's saying the minimum requirement in this belief is that we love him and we know him. Do not get confused in the fact that it's our sacrifices that is showing our love of God. He wants us to love him first, and from that flows these sacrifices. If we love him and we know him first, our faith, our works are manifest from that. And he's trying to press this upon these people. And he goes on, skipping forward to the 35th. It says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You see, so we have to understand that our spiritual strength is different from our natural strength. That there's this separation. The things that bring us temporary joy, the things that bring us temporary hope are natural things. The things that give us permanent joy and everlasting hope is Jesus Christ who feeds us through our soul. And he's hammering it into, these peop- into the Jews at this point in time. He says, but I said unto you in the 36th verse that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. For I come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the attitude that Christ is calling us to do. That if we are to serve him, we do the will of Jesus Christ. That we start to forget who AJ is. We start to forget who Brother Pete is. And we we turn to Jesus Christ. We say, Lord, I sacrifice everything. What is it that you want me to do? I will do that instead. It may be uncomfortable. Other people might look at me differently, but if you tell me to do it, I promise I will follow. 
since I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. So a promise to us, if we love him, if we know him, if we continue to serve him, he makes us a promise that we will be with him in paradise, that he will call us home at some point in our lives. But at the very nitty-gritty, at the very minuscule part, we have to understand that we have to believe in him, and belief today is loving him and knowing him as our Savior. The 63rd verse, as he skips, as we'll skip around today, So if you imagine Christ speaking to the Jewish people at this point, that I am the bread of life, and they try to point out to him, they say, you know what? You know, when Moses was in the wilderness, God gave us bread. They gave us manna. We were were filled. We were filled naturally. We got food. We have it. We're okay. Can you do that? And the Lord takes it to a spiritual level. He says, I am the bread of life. It's not this natural life, this flesh that we're trying to fill. It's a spiritual life. We have to look beyond these 40 years or 50 years, 70 years that we're in this life. This is everlasting. And if you partake in Christ, if you are one with him, if you are serving him, if you know him, if you love him, He'll get us there. Not by something that you did, but because of his grace and his mercy in your life today. So, of course, here is a man, Jesus Christ, telling the Jewish people that him and the Father are one. This is blasphemy to them if you don't believe in Christ. And they flat out say it to him in the... You know, in the 60th verse, they say, this is a hard saying. Can we, can we hear this? Can we believe it? Can our faith transition, despite all these miracles that we have seen, they couldn't make the conversion? He healed the lame. He walks on water. He feeds 5,000. Miracle after miracle after miracle. These people have seen it with their own eyes. And still, this is hard. I don't know if we can. The 63rd verse says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. want us to understand today that there is a difference between the natural things and the spiritual things in our lives. And many times I've gotten them confused. You know, there are things that I love to do. I love to cook. Everyone who's in this building today, you can't see them, but Brother Pete and Brother Micah, we love to grill. And we get excited. If you missed our, you guys weren't here, it wasn't recorded, but the 15 minutes leading up to this, we're talking about all the things that we grilled this week and the food that we enjoy and that we love. 
a natural love. It's not going to get us into heaven. Do we enjoy it? Yes. Does it give us something to talk about right now? Yes, but it's not this everlasting love that Christ is talking about. It's food for our soul. I'll give you some examples. I called one of our sisters last week. I said, hello, and I'm just calling to check in on you guys and make sure that your family is safe and well. And she broke down crying on the phone. And she said, Brother AJ, I pray every day for our ministers. And I thank you so much that every week you come to church and that you preach the gospel so that we might hear it, that we wouldn't miss out on the love of God. And you set up meetings for us. And even though we're apart, you guys are trying so hard. And she said, when I get the links, I send them to all my friends. And she told me about someone who was sick at work. And she said, here, listen to this sermon. Let me pray with you today. And I got off the phone. And I was energized. You see, that is spiritual food for my soul today, knowing that someone is out there who loves the Lord. That there is someone out there who loves me with the love of God, who loves our brothers with the love of God. You see, it's a difference. There is a different joy that that brings to my heart. When I read the scripture two weeks ago, it filled my soul that I I had this greater understanding that it wasn't about the things that I can check off in my life to say, Lord, I love you. It's that I would dig into his word. I would dig into prayer and fasting that I might get a little closer to him. That I might show him love. You see, it energizes us. It takes us to the next level with him. I think of the relationship I have with my wife. And I've preached about, you know, love languages before. And I can take out the trash. I could scrub the toilets, which has never happened, but you could. You can cook dinner and prepare that. But unless I show my wife love in a love language that she needs in her life, it doesn't matter. So here I am spinning my wheels, but if I would just stop and tell my wife that I loved her and I gave her a hug today, that would fill her heart. And I would show her love in a way that she can hear. And that's what we're talking about with our relationship with God, is he's asking us to love him and know him every day. It doesn't matter what else you're doing right now, but if you love him and know him, is what he wants. He says it's more important than sacrifices. It's more important than burnt offerings. So take those things away for now. They'll flow out of you at some point. The more you love Jesus Christ, the more that you get to know him in his word, you will know that taking care of the sick and taking care of the afflicted is part of the gospel. And you will have this desire that burns within your heart if you truly love him. And it will flow out of a closer relationship with him.
So that is our challenge this week. That we love God above any other. That it's not our sacrifice that demonstrates love to God, but it's our love that will lead us to sacrifices in our lives. If you think about the story of the rich young ruler, that's what he was trying to do. He had checked off all the boxes. He said, Lord, I sacrificed this. I sacrificed that. I got rid of this in my life. Look at me. Look how much I love you. But the point God was trying to make to him was that he needed to love Jesus Christ more than all of those things. All of the tangible stuff that we have in our lives, we have to love Jesus Christ more than that. And that's what he is calling each and every one of us to do, day in and day out. And as we sit and we ponder life in these very different times, let us ponder how much we love him. He wants us to know him. It's challenge number two. We need to strengthen our knowledge of him. Not at a superficial level, like we know people and acquaintances. We talk about the weather. We talk about our local sports teams. He wants a deep, trusting knowledge of him. Just like many of you have close personal friends that you've revealed your soul to. Your darkest fears, your secrets, the trials and tribulations that you've gone through that you don't necessarily fess up to in the middle of a job interview. Or you casually meet someone on the street. This deep relationship, this knowledge of each other, God wants with him. He wants us to bear our soul before him. That we talk with him, that we walk with him, that we bear our anxieties. We let him bear our burdens. And we dig into the word of God. And we read about the scriptures. And you know, it does not have to be complicated. And so many times we complicate it. The message today is so simple. He tells these people, the Jews, that there was one work to do. That they would simply believe in him. Love him know him, everything else would be added onto that. How do we get there? Ten minutes a day, if you haven't read the scriptures. If you've been away from your Bible, if you've been away from your Book of Mormon, commit today to ten minutes a day. Open the word. Start where it's read. Start in Matthew. Start in Mark. Read the Book of Mormon. Get into the word of God. Let him open up his will in your life. If it's been a long time since you've prayed, once a day, if you're a morning person, before you leave your house, it doesn't have to be a long prayer. If you're a night owl like me, before you go to bed, pray to the Lord. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to use the King James Version, thou's and these. And, but commune with the Lord. Talk to him like he's your friend. Fast and pray. If you've never fasted before, give up breakfast. Once this week. 
Turn off your radio. Put your phone away for the morning and pray to the Lord. You don't have to fast for 48 hours to start a relationship with him. What he's asking for is believe in me, love me, know me. Take one step towards me, I'll take four for you. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. My prayer today is that he fills your soul. My hope today is that both you and I have a closer relationship with him. That I might know God and that I might understand the plan that he has for me in my life. Who he wants me to share my testimony with. That I might be the man, that I might be the servant that he has called me to be. That my life might be a living sacrifice to him. And he might guide me and he might show me what I'm supposed to do. I love all of you. I miss you. I can't wait till we're back together again. But my prayer is that you might know the Lord, that you would believe in him, that you might love him today. Might God bless you. We're going to have a song from Brother Pete. Um, and again, we thank you for worshiping with us today. May God bless you.
more grace to be Oh my Redeemer is faithful and true Everything He has said He will do Every morning His mercies are My Redeemer is faithful and Oh, my Jesus My Jesus is faithful and true I just want to say, Brother A.J., God bless you. Today's message, brothers and sisters, it may be, um, and I know so, that I've been distracted, and rightfully so. It's a crazy time we're living in. But this morning's message awoke my heart. And I want to say before all my brothers and sisters and friends and whoever's listening today, the entire world, that I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my soul. I love him because he first loved me. And in this beautiful chapter, in the sixth chapter, there's a theme in this chapter, brothers and sisters. And as these people are just wandering to and fro, and, and they're hungry, and, and they don't even know what they need in this life. They just know they have a need. The Lord tells them in that beautiful sixth chapter, God brought you here. You didn't come on your own. God drew you to me. You know, you might ask a question, how could I love the Lord? How is it possible that I might love the Lord. Well, I want to tell you something. It's not possible unless God touches your soul. He's the author of love, brothers and sisters and friends. This morning, God is love. I'm a sinner. I'm, a de- I, I'm, I'm full of, of being undone and broken in my life. I'm incapable. But God sought me out and began to, he began to work in my heart Forty years ago, in March of 1980, God began to work in my heart. And all of a sudden, in my heart, as I, as I was so closed and so on a mission to do what I wanted to do in my life, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to drag my wife along, my new married wife of two years. Brothers and sisters and friends, this morning, God kept calling me. And he kept loving me. And all of a sudden, I felt the love of God in my soul that one morning like I never felt before. And I couldn't walk away from the love of God. I would call out this morning these wonderful 12 men that were surrounding Jesus and were with him for three and a half years. What made them drop their nets at the seashore? What made them leave the tax booth? What made them follow Christ? It was the love of God that touched their soul. Oh, my brothers and sisters, 
It's the love of God that'll shake this world and cause this world to turn to him. And so this morning, oh, as Brother A.J. has so beautifully said, in that beautiful verse in Hosea, I want to call it out today, and I'm going to use my words. It's the same words. I want grace. I want love. I want a, a heavenly love from you. And I'll give it to you. God's saying, just open your heart. You'll be a, a receptor, a vessel that I could use, and I could give my love to other people. And I don't want sacrifices. You know what that word means in our day and time? This isn't a gospel of works. I don't require works from you. I require an open heart and a contrite spirit. And the works of God will flow from us, brothers and sisters and friends, because we'll be a spiritual receptor of his holy grace and his power. I don't know what your challenge is. I know what mine are. Yes, and AJ's right. To those that I trust and I'm close to, I'll express my, my weaknesses. I don't know what yours are, but God does. You do. If it's wealth, if it's whatever God there is in your life, time. Oh, my brothers and sisters and friends, <laughs> fall in love with Jesus, and all those things will fall by the wayside. You know, Friday night, this is a great example, A.J. saying. This is a great example. My wife, who I've been married to for 42 years, I love her so much. We've been in this time of isolation, and I have to tell you, when life gets back to normal, I'll, I'm going to miss her, because that's how much we uh, have been spending time together. But Friday night, this weather moved in. We haven't had rain in the valley since April. And it began to rain. And uh, I just finished cooking dinner. And my new normal routine is on a Friday night, I'm going to sit down and veg out by the TV, the TV. And Wendy will sit and do what she does. She's not a big TV watcher. And that rain started. And that, we had a double rainbow outside our beautiful uh, to the southern skies. And I clicked off the TV, not like me. And her and I spent the entire evening together. We watched the rain. We sat out on our patio. And when the rain stopped and the lightning stopped, we got into the water and the pool. And we just, we just spent the whole night talking. You know, that's all God wants is just your time and your love. That's all he wants. He's not asking you to do some great work. He'll do it in you. He just wants your time. He wants you to put him above all else. That's all it is. You know, my father, he was such a wonderful man. And was he perfect? No. But the one message my father never stopped teaching me as a young man, and all the way up until he passed from this life, was always, Petey, put God first. You can't ever go wrong, brothers and sisters. You can never go wrong. And that's what the Lord was saying. We want to work the works of God. Put me first. Love me. That's all. Believe on me. Don't just be a student. 
Don't be a follower for this or for that to see what next miracle these people were looking for. They were, they were in awestruck. No. No, I want you to love me and I want you to believe on me. And if you do, God will do wonders in your life and in the lives of others that you touch. And so my brothers and sisters and friends this morning, as I speak to you, the church of Jesus Christ, and I speak to the church this morning, may we put Jesus above all, all things. Our church bears his name for that reason, that he is to be loved above everything in this life, brothers and sisters, for he is life. He is our bread. He's our water. He's our nourishment. Everything belongs to God and everything needs to go back to him in glory. And I want my life and, my, and my, all my desires to be aligned with his. So this morning, may God bless you. I pray that this message has touched your heart. And I pray for those of you that have accepted Christ and at one day you said, I believe on him. If you're struggling, if you're distracted, okay, fall in love with Jesus. Read his word. Give him time. Oh, his spirit will touch you and you'll fall in love with him all over again. For those of you that haven't accepted Christ today, and maybe you love what you're hearing and it sounds so good, I just say to you, open your heart and follow his commandments. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Follow his commandments. Reach out to the ministry. Brother AJ's right. We miss you. We love talking to you. Call us. And we'll, we'll guide you to Christ and point you his way. With that, have a blessed week, brothers and sisters. We're going to close in prayer and we're going to ask God's blessing upon you, upon the church, and upon our nation. Let us bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful, wonderful word and message that you gave us. And you know, Lord, I want to just say, as the song echoed out, I'm thankful that you're faithful and true. I'm thankful that everything that you've promised us in the word of God, we know it'll come to pass. And I'm also thankful, Lord, that when we don't understand things and we get distracted at your patience and you give us even more grace that will see us through, Lord. And so bless us, I pray. Bless our brothers and sisters and friends that are listening today. And give unto them, Father, of your love so great. That love that was, that was showed to us on Calvary's tree. Give unto us an understanding, Lord, as Brother A.J. preached, of the great sacrifice of salvation. That we might appreciate you so much, Lord. I, I pray thee that our relationship would grow, each and every one. And I pray that our relationship with each other, Father, would be enriched because of that. And so bless us. Bless the church of Jesus Christ. Bless soon, Father, the time will come when we can embrace one another again and meet again. Partake of your wonderful ordinances, Lord, and serve God's people. I pray thee that you would allow that time to be here and, and soon, Lord. Bless the afflicted. Bless those that stand in need. And bless, Father, the church of Jesus Christ that the kingdom of God on earth will fill this earth. And Father, your holy purposes will come to pass. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.
May God bless you this week, brothers and sisters, and have a wonderful and glorious week.